Hello, this is Josh, and you're listening to The Invitation. This episode is a movement into the prayers of the heart. But let me first just say, with all of the best enthusiasm I can muster here, that what we have before us in this episode is gift. It is gift. It is lovely, lovely gift. I've gathered here for this episode a spiritual conversation with Jen, Stacy, Daniel, and Mitch, four friends who have served in churches in various capacities. And I want to say, if you rush through this, you might just miss the goodness The deep joy of spiritual direction is discovering God inside of people, of discovering God when lovely people open themselves vulnerably and courageously to be surprised by how the Spirit arrives and reveals Jesus to us generously. So yes, this is the third movement in the summer retreat of praying through the heart, mind, soul, and strength. And here I work with my friends to do a kind of debrief of the first two introductory episodes. So if you haven't spent time with those, you might want to go back and listen to episodes 23 and 24. Those episodes will give you a sense of where we're going throughout this summer. So when I joined with my friends, our intention, what we agreed to do was to speak honestly about this question of how to gracefully and intentionally find Jesus, especially during the summer. We wondered amongst ourselves, does the summer have unique advantages for spiritual formation? And of course, we specifically discuss what is heart spirituality Yet, what about taking care of our hearts? What does self-care and rest look like, specifically in the summer? We moved on to think about how we often say to ourselves after a long, hard winter, when the sun comes out and we hit the sand dunes and the beach, and we find ourselves saying, I'll just do this because it's been hard and now I deserve it. Yet in our discernment, we looked closer at that phrase, I deserve this. What do we deserve? And how do we not overindulge ourselves and become distracted from God during the summer? How can we take care of ourselves and find rest and life and more love instead of dissipation and emptiness and more fatigue? Toward the second half of our discussion, I offer about 10 minutes of teaching on the heart based on my consideration of the scriptures and my practice as a spiritual director. And then we finish when my friends each recommend to you some different prayer practices of the heart. So again, 
the two goals of the summer retreat are first to know and to sink more gracefully into your spirituality type. And then second, to move beyond your type, to stretch and to grow and thus to pursue wholeness and holiness. So if you are a heart person, you can sink in here and deepen your joy. But if you are more of a mind person, a thinker, or a soul person, or a strength person, you might be stretched right here at the beginning and find this to be a bit more work. But please, this is the summer. Let's be gentle with ourselves and take our time in patience, trusting in the Spirit. Now, Jen, Stacy, Daniel, Mitch, and I, none of us come as experts to the practice of praying with and through the heart. But what we do come with is our questions, our weaknesses, and a deep desire to share in this discernment process. And I do want to apologize that the gear I cobbled together to get four mics on my friends didn't work perfectly, and the recorder I used on Stacy and Jen dropped the signal in some frustrating ways. And yet again, I want to say I'm incredibly thankful for these friends for their willingness to trust me in this experiment of really practicing group spiritual direction in front of microphones. And now I invite you to sit down and to join in our conversation. I invite you to allow the deep within these good people to call out the deep inside of you. And here we begin with our Lexia Divina practice, praying through our summer passage, Hosea 6, in the standard three readings. Dive in here. Go deep. And I pray you'll find rest and refreshment with us this summer. Thank you guys so much for coming here. Mitch, Daniel, Jen, Stacy. You're so welcome. <laughs> Happy to do it. So as always, I've been starting the Summer Retreat 2018 with our passage, which is the message translation of Hosea 6. So we welcome the Spirit, trusting that the Spirit drew us here. I'll be doing three readings. Come on, let's go back to God. He hurt us, but he'll heal us. He hit us hard, but he'll put us right again. In a couple days, we'll feel better. By the third day, he'll have made us brand new. Alive and on our feet, fit to face him. We're ready to study God, eager for God knowledge. As sure as dawn breaks, so sure is his daily arrival. He comes as rain comes, as spring rain refreshing the ground. So we just allow that 
first reading as an opportunity to sink into this space down here in the studio. Turn away from t-ball games and busyness, potlucks with my kids, whatever you've come from. We're here to rest. For this second reading, I invite you to identify a word or a phrase that you are drawn towards, some word or phrase that especially stirs your heart, enlivens your mind. Hosea 6. Come on, let's go back to God. He hurt us, but he'll heal us. He hit us hard, but he'll put us right again. In a couple of days, we'll feel better. By the third day, he'll have made us brand new, alive and on our feet, fit to face him. We're ready to study God, eager for God knowledge. As sure as dawn breaks, So sure is his daily arrival. He comes as rain comes, as spring rain refreshing the ground. So I invite you to offer a word or a phrase. Again, for our third reading, I invite you to find a word or a phrase that you're drawn to. It could be the same word, be the same phrase. Hosea 6. Come on, let's go back to God. He hurt us, but he'll heal us. He hit us hard. But he'll put us right again. In a couple of days, we'll feel better. And by the third day, he'll have made us brand new, alive and on our feet, fit to face him. We're ready to study God, eager for God knowledge. As sure as dawn breaks, so sure is his daily arrival. He comes as rain comes, as spring rain refreshing the ground. I invite you to offer a word or a phrase.
So we trust that these words, these phrases are our opening prayers, like opening the door of our hearts. To truly be here, to be with ourselves, to be with each other, and to hear the voice of God. And in this section, we first identify the language of, I deserve this. And here we consider this question of a summer spirituality. We discuss our routines, our practice of Sabbath, how to discern if that language of deserving is entitlement or actually helping us to rest. The question is how to rest in this summer without checking out as in what Chuck DeGroat said in the last episode, without going into our limbic system and just shutting down. You know, it's like a flight, the grand excursion um, to the, the cottages. And I mean, we, we endure winter, so we love summer. So we squeeze every ounce out of it. But... You know, I think that culturally, summer is a chance for many people to just kick their feet up and use their toys. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, they've worked hard mm-hmm. to earn the money to have the toys, and it's fun to use them. And they they're really generous. A lot of them with with their toys and how they invite people out to stuff. But mm-hmm. from the angle of saying, how do we move even into those places Mm -hmm. to our cottages with intentionality Mm -hmm. and with even some purpose and submission, um, whether to rest Mm -hmm. or to work some, Mm -hmm. even in that context. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a a peculiar bit along those lines uh, in our, our priorities and how they might shift and how we, um, there's this little bit, like you said, you know, we've made it through winter. You know, I deserve this. It's the, it's the, I ate a salad yesterday, so I'm going to eat three bags of chips totally. and no one's going to tell me no. You know I mean? So, so there is a little bit of that, uh, that, um, you know, there, and some of that is, is a joyful thing to, um, to be a little bit reckless in a small sense. But, but, um, there's also this bit where we, um, you know, when we break the routines and the rhythms, uh, we fall out of step in a way that we have to come back to it at some point. And so when we uh, we don't acknowledge time like this, when we don't take time to uh, set apart and be reckless in a different way, reckless in our spirituality, uh, then when we come back uh, to kind of a messy startup without anything to show for it besides right. the stains on our jeans and, yeah, I don't know, but but not much beyond that. I think that, I think that just like Sabbath and and rest needs to be informed by the things that have led up to mm. and the things that are coming after mm. the Sabbath. I think the same thing for self-care. Mm-hmm. Self-care needs to be informed and in response to the things that we've experienced and the rhythms and paces of our regular existence, if it's mm. too different from what we from what we experience and the way that we live on either side of it, 
then I think that's when we go into disintegration mode mm-hmm. and disengagement mm-hmm. rather than going into a purposeful and intentional time of examine mm-hmm. and of formation. Mm-hmm. I think that I pull back a lot from the self-care. Um, I think I fear entitlement in it a lot. I think I hear entitlement in it a lot. And I see people's choices of self-care. And often I think that's not self-care. You know, I parented all day and I'm entitled to this wine, that kind of stuff. Or I'm like, well, is that really helping your parenting? I don't know. So um, I think I often like hear that term and go, oh, I don't, you know, I don't like it. Um, But on the other hand, it's basically what I preach, maybe just in different terms. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I love retreating. (laughs) I think it's great. And I think it's necessary. And I love the maintenance, you know, the scheduled maintenance idea of the rhythms of rest and like making sure that you have, that you are resting and you're not just getting to that stage of retreat, retreat, and now I need it. And it's an emergency. Um, And I, I often, I will, you know, preach that as long as the day is long. I think rhythms are so important of setting up, you know, that time with the Lord ahead of time and checking in, so to speak. Um, but I have noticed the Lord has provided self-care, if that makes sense. So like this past year has been difficult and in ministry at home with family, like just a lot of different scenarios have just been tricky and hard. And in clinging to Jesus, my husband and I were just, just talking about this last week. We were looking at how many times the Lord provided rest for us, like unsolicited, unmerited, you know, or it was just like, here's somebody's cottage for the weekend. Or here's, I mean, like people would just come up to us and be like, hey, do you want to use our cottage this weekend? It's open. And we would be like, Sure, we need that, you know. Uh, how do I get those friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because I wasn't trying. They're the same friends um, as mine and they haven't asked me. So oh. that doesn't guarantee you anything. <laughs> there a big hint there? Just if you happen to be listening. Just kidding. <laughs> you are both Stacey and Daniel's friend. He would like to use your cottage. Um, no, but I think in that the Lord is teaching me how important it is, you know, that he cares about our self-care and he cares that we are cared for and he will go about doing that if we don't Mm. go about doing that. And so that's something that I am in the process of learning right now. Mm. You have mentioned the concept of holiness and wholeness and I tie self-care into that wholeness conversation in a lot of ways. Um, And I, I once heard somebody say that Jesus didn't come to make us Christians. He came to make us humans. And so this whole process of just having health, um, I do find that, like you mentioned, the limbic system earlier and kind of just kicking into, I don't know if if you call it laziness Mm -hmm. or just sort of neutral things is the word that I use for it. Zoning out, yeah. Um, Neutrals, my wife and I, we categorize those in the, the drains category because they don't fill. So in the language about Sabbath and self-care, filling things are a category unto themselves. And the neutrals, which for me is watching YouTube, and it's great, it's fun, but I don't get filled by it, is therefore a drain because it doesn't fill me up. 
And so I think being able to even call out what are the neutrals that we give ourselves to, those things also, I think, prevent us from actually noticing the crick in our neck. Jesus didn't die so we could become Christians. He died so we could become human. That's a quote from Hans Ruckmacher, a good old-fashioned Dutch theologian who was friends with Francis Schaeffer, a beloved Christian art historian and thinker. And here we consider a Christian humanism. That is to say, we consider the freedom to believe in the goodness of meeting God in the summer, and that this goodness requires us to believe in our own intrinsic goodness. So yeah, to give God access to ourselves, we need to be able to see ourselves in order to open that part of ourselves. Otherwise, if we're completely ignorant to those arenas of ourselves, there could be hidden sin. Mm. We haven't even begun to imagine that needs healing. Mm -hmm. So this is not just about self-promotion, but it's uh, it's kind of like uh, what I hear you saying. It's kind of like uh, looking through the junk drawer and realizing, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much stuff is down there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose you know, um, as a Protestant, as a Lutheran. Um, that, I suppose that's the beauty in confession that we mm. don't experience. You know, I mean, the the, um, the the sit down with someone and have to be honest about mm. um, all the ugliness, so as to to step away from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of this. It's not just confession, which is amazing, and we begin the spiritual journey begins the the ancients taught us with the purgative, with mortification of, of identifying what we have to repent of, all with tears on this at the same time. And, Ch- and Chuck was really talking about this in the last, about our, not our original sin, but our original blessing. Mm-hmm. So the self-knowledge is not just about how gross I am. It's also that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. So we are his workmanship created for good works in Christ. We are, and that's that workmanship is poema. So there's something stunning in each of us. And, and again, I turn to St. Louis, St. C.S. Um, he says there in, in The Way to Glory that if we really saw each other for who we are, we would be tempted to bow down and worship each other as gods and God. There, he says, there are no mere mortals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Princes and princesses. So it's this both. And, and, and that's maybe that's two sides of what you're saying earlier in, in, in the sense of between what we deserve, we do deserve, and, and finding that balance. Maybe that's that golden mean Somewhere in there between looking at our darkness and at our holiness, we're able to distinguish what we really do deserve, what real rest is, mm-hmm. not indulgence that leads to gross behavior and separation and alienation from God, but a real holy posture. Yeah. Yeah. I think to the Lord, the, part of the beauty of the Lord is that he 
knows the season that you're in mm-hmm. and he knows what you need in that retreat and in that mm-hmm. quiet space. Going back to deserving something, mm-hmm. I think often when I think of Sabbath, I think I've always pictured it as a restriction. So God said, no, on this day, you're not allowed to work. But more than that, it's um, in, in some ways, I suppose it's it's the reward from that week. You know, you've 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 worked, you've you've toiled, so now you have this this rest. It's it's not a you're not allowed to do stuff. It's you're mm-hmm. being called to do something even better. Mm-hmm. And it's an emptying. It's a shutting down. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a playfulness with it. But that's that question of what really enlivens me, and. Uh, I, uh, I have to shut down certain things to rediscover what's delightful. I've, I, and I, I think this is, this is at the core of it. I think most of us have forgotten what really delights our souls. Do you think we ever knew it? I think it's children. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's part of the, why, why Jesus would say the children... There's an innocence mm-hmm. where they're, they're so connected to their desires. It's funny, though, because they they don't say, I desire this. They just desire it. It's so immediate, right? <laughs> you know? And I will have it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to be a little... And I think that's the gift to be able to be in the presence of children at all. I think they're reteaching us delight. Speaking of summers, family, again, wanting to bring this back to the the disciplines of the summer. This doesn't mean that we have to all go to a monastic cell and hide. It just may might mean looking at what we're already doing with new eyes. Again, I'm gonna Chuck's gonna follow us through the summer too. He's reminding us disciplines of being present. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's actually an interesting phrase there because I have found that being self-aware at times gets me in my head too much to where I can't be present. Mm -hmm. And so self-knowledge, as we were talking about a little bit before, it almost becomes a hindrance because I'm taking the temperature too much, you know, and then I, I cease being able to actually listen really and delight Mm. truly and all those things. And here we are diving into the best of what we discovered in this spiritual conversation. Here my friends report honestly on how they approach their heart, each in their own way. So pay close attention here to the differences. So tell me some more about that experience. Do you, do you identify yourself uh, as a mind person, as an emotional heart person, as more of a a contemplative soul or are you a doer? A I'm builder? a heart person. You're a heart person. Absolutely. So then when you're taking your temperature like that, you're paying attention, you're, are you experiencing your emotions then? Most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you're saying that you're experiencing so much of your emotions that you're, you're paying so much to what's going on inside of you that you're not paying attention to someone that's right here in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still trying to get a grip on it. Yeah. To be honest with you. All of us I, are. I don't have a real yeah. solid description of yeah. kind of the internal goings on. I just know that I want to care mm-hmm. 
And when I find that I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm thinking more about the fact that I'm not caring than actually just mm-hmm. caring mm-hmm. simply. Yeah. Which by God's grace I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have such enormous emotions that I've, I'm having to learn to, to move beyond them. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else resonate with that or does, is it, does that not make sense because you tend to be a more of a, an emotional or a contemplative person? Neither. <laughs> Neither. Yeah. No, I think that I have to try really hard to be aware of my emotions. Uh-huh. And so I'm kind of the opposite in that I think I will just, I'm a strength person all the way. want to go and do it mm-hmm. and get her done. Yeah. yeah. Which is totally brought up at this last retreat. I did not even realize how much I was a strength person and mm-hmm. couldn't do things. And mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, I'm not comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. But the temperature thing is such a funny thing to me because I would never even think to do that. Like I would not. I don't know, like that wouldn't yeah. even be on my radar. Right. I think like, well, where are we at? Well, how are we doing? How is everybody mm-hmm. in this room doing? I'd be like, nah, I don't know. It wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. And I have to say, I often feel that way, yet I'm a heart person. And so I'm one of the heart people who I know I'm a heart person, yet I don't even know what that means for a mm. heart person to be detached from their emotions other that other than the fact that when someone puts a feeling in front of me i think it's an absolute load of crap until i'm falling <laughs> <laughs> they sneak up and surprise you yeah mm-hmm. and then you uh. sit there as this heart person who's feeling vulnerability and mm-hmm. you're like i can't even mm-hmm. function in this mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. so yeah I think that's a real thing too. Yeah. And that's, that is really even more helpful so that if we can identify that we have strong emotions, there's always different approaches to those emotions. And so for you, Stacey, to uh, understand, yeah, praise God, you're created to go get her done, you know? So you are blessed in that. So you sink into that doing there's, there's fruit so then later in the summer as we explore, or maybe right now, depending on what the Spirit's inviting you to, how then, and your own, both of you, Jen, as well, you know, how do we sink into some of these connections to our emotions? Not that our emotions are an end in themselves, but that they are cues, they're clues deeper into our experience of ourselves and of God. So... Do you have any any thoughts here, Mitch, before I move on? I think growing up, it's always been, a, I've been a mind person. Um, uh, and uh, it's started to battle a little bit with um, being contemplative. So this this consideration of, uh, it's great to think about it, but what what more is it? And, you know, I mean, the, the knowing in the sense of, Yes, the equation works out and the knowing in the sense of uh, the reality of it mm-hmm. being present. Um, so for for you know, a situation like this, you know, for considering our summer, uh, what what is the value in it? Um, not just in how I can uh, plan it out or how I can think it through, but what is the value in it of the actual experience um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a realistic and a tangible sense? Mm-hmm. 
So being able to come come closer to presentness, reality. Yes. Yeah. Raw, pri- primary, and primal, being human. So that could be grilling out. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm such a nerd when it comes to food. <laughs> I feel so alive when I, I can really get in there and, mm. and make stuff with my hands. There's some work to be done here in biblical study and some theology, and I don't want to turn this into a mental session, but I do want to allow some of this vocabulary to sink into us so we know a little more particularly, uh, we're talking about the faculties of our internal selves. We're saying that there is a part of ourselves that is mental. There is a part of us that's effective there's a part that is soulish, that is contemplative. And then there's a, there's a compulsion, a willful sense that I'm doing things, I'm building things that are tangible. And this vocabulary is not clear in the scriptures because I want everyone to understand that there's not a single anthropology throughout the whole of the scriptures. There's just not. If we look, there, there, we could probably say there's some general sense about what a heart and a mind are in the Old Testament as opposed to the New Testament, just by that fact that I see the Shema and Deuteronomy 6 does not include mind in that list. Because as I said earlier, that Hebraic idea is that the mind was already unified and whole and it was really a gut thing. It was a, it was a deep, powerful thing. So when we look at Mark 12, we're thinking about a Greek-informed world, the Greeks who developed history and, and music theory and law and democracy and the first historians, the first medical researchers. You know, they have now fragmented the self so that the mind is now separate from the heart it's not as, as unified. And that's really helpful in some ways for modernity and civilization, for the mind to be able to work isolated from our affections and our emotions. There's a lot of ac- academic questions that could follow this, and I'm not going to burden us with that. I will point to, it is interesting then to me that Theophan the Recluse in the 17th century says that we must pray in such a way that our minds then can descend into our hearts. So that goes back to that wholeness and that holiness, the unified, that as certain parts of our conceptions, our anthropologies fragment us, make us alienated, that in Christ, when we move towards our true humanity, we're trying to integrate so that our mind can descend into our heart. So it's uh, also difficult, um, some of the language about heart and soul in the New Testament. The New Testament tends to focus more on heart than it does on soul. If you do some word studies on that, there's more references to the cardia 
than to the psyche. And then when we look at that word psyche itself, it's pretty tricky because that's the word that informs psychology. The word psyche originally meant soul. And today we have a whole field of psychology that doesn't even believe in a soul. So what we're trying to say here is that it's a mess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a lot of different language historically. There's a lot of different ways of understanding what a will is, what a spirit is, what a mind is, what a soul is. And quite honestly, from what I see in the scripture, mind, heart, and soul are almost interchangeable depending on the the author Mm. and the context. And they're all pointing to the center of the being. And I find it really interesting in Ephesians 3, Paul seems to kind of like jump ship on any of that language. If you remember that language, I think it's 3.16. He says, I pray that you might be renewed, that your inner being would be strengthened. Mm-hmm. So he, he calls it your inner being. So the insides and that word of being is your anthropos. <laughs> so he's just saying that inside place, which in other parts of the scriptures was referenced by something about your mind, which was deep in your center or your, your emotive true center of your soul or your heart, that inner space. And so what we're trying to say here in this summer retreat is there's some helpful discipline to be able to get some handles to get some familiarity with these different parts of our internal world and what i'm trying to say is it doesn't matter if my definition of soul completely matches with mitch's because what matters is how he experiences his soul before god Mm. what matters is how daniel experiences his heart so like it just we just noticed that we've just all had these very different experiences of of heart here and what what's important is as deep calls unto deep as you hear me talk about god in my heart hopefully that will awaken something in you to go oh i think i get that but then you have to go then to your prayer in your solitude as Jesus says in Matthew 5, to go to your, your secret place and you have to work it out. Where is my heart? What it, What is my heart again? Why does it do that? So the heart really is is not just an emotional center, but for the sake of this vocabulary, I'm, I'm referring to it somewhat in the way that the Enneagram pivots on the feeling centers. So for those of you that are tricked out on Enneagram, that would be, the uh, two, three, and fours on the Enneagram, the feeling centers. And so there is no single way of being in our hearts. Each of us experience our hearts, our feeling centers in different and unique ways. And so it's natural to pray with and through our hearts in those unique ways. The question is not so much, what is a heart? But what is your heart? 
And here, in the conclusion of our conversation, each of my friends offers some insight from their own successes and failures, from their own questions and wisdom. Uh, you mentioned a little bit in the 40 Ways to Spend Five Minutes with God, but um, I appreciate Teresa um, and uh, especially the the line about inside you as a garden. Um, <clears throat> so for me in the summer, um, the most beautiful and frustrating thing is that we live in a downtown apartment. So uh, there is no garden uh, to be planted, but this remembrance of so much significance to a garden. So, um, you know, the Garden of Eden, the first creation, Jesus, the resurrected Christ in the garden, um, the new creation, and then for this to, the, there to be a garden inside of us, to be able to walk in a place of new life um, and to remember how much beauty is there beyond um, uh, beyond what we see at, at face value, but also with what we see at face value, um, uh, sustenance and um, uh continuation of life from uh, the, the things that grow there. Uh, so it's a, a simple thing, but it's, it's, it's able to bear so much fruit, this opportunity to simply walk in a garden um, that that remains dead for so much of the year, but then um, bursts forth for this time um, in a place to, to reflect, in a place to walk with Christ, really, um, in, in a simple and a generally fairly quiet place. Yeah, there's so much we could do a whole summer a series just on nature mm. engagement and 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 the witness of beauty in nature so does that before we move on to another suggestion does that stir up anybody else's thoughts about engaging nature and the benefits for your desires for your affections mm-hmm. absolutely I like to think of the human as having like a five string harp and each string represents a sense. And so the more senses that I can engage the most often that I can, the more that I'm healthy. And I think it leads me to a place of wonder. So walking past a tree and touching the bark, smelling a tulip during tulip time, smelling all of the tulips during tulip time, tasting an orange, I remember the first time I ever actually tasted an orange. I was like 22 and it was crazy because we don't think about these things, you know? And so to just actually take a slice of an orange, put it in your mouth, Mm. stop and not just eat it for its vitamin C to try Mm. to avoid a cold. Um, That inspires wonder in me in a big way, just as much as seeing a sunset, you know, or being, on a, on a physical mountaintop would as well. So, what I hear you both saying uh, reminds me: uh, it's the wonder, but that wonder comes through that way that it sounds like you're saying that nature teaches us to be present. Yeah, that that it has that opportunity as as it renews itself in the spring. If we allow ourselves to experience that, there's a there's a, an education. By being in in nature, mm-hmm. that it it trains us how to be present and the, the, as you were saying, Mitch, the rest, the quiet. Mm-hmm. All the things you mentioned, 
um, they're so they're such intimate experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, touching the bark on a tree or mm-hmm. you know walking through the grass without shoes or any of these things. Um, there's even if you're with a group of people, they they really do draw you into solitude mm-hmm. in the midst of that. Um, and so when you you um, are in this this walk with Christ in that moment, you know you you are you know the walking in the garden image. You know, so to touch the tree, um, that is something that even if I have someone standing next to me, they might not experience it. But but uh, that is a, a place of solitude that I'm in that, and I'm I'm. Um, you know, the hand of God is is just as much present, touching the tree as much as yeah. my own. I like the chariots of fire line. You know, when I run, I feel mm-hmm. His pleasure, and I think that you know, like when I taste an orange, when I really taste the homemade pizza that I made with all its flavors, I feel His pleasure. Mm. When I listen to a really well recorded song, I feel His pleasure. Mm. Thank you. Some other suggestions about you have a comment, some thoughts. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about how the whole created order was created in order to glorify God and how then when I, when I hike or when I look out the window, I think about this bird that's like chirping its lungs out is glorifying God by doing that. And the sun, when it's colors is, is living into its it's created purpose. And that draws me into a deeper desire to live into my created purpose, not based on how the person next to me is doing something Mm -hmm. because you can see two roses on a rose bush that aren't, they're not concerned with how each other are blooming or two birds that aren't concerned with how each other are, are chirping. Um, And for me as, as my Enneagram type, that's a really big and necessary reminder in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it would be uh, silly if we didn't think that a summer spirituality would not be rooted in nature. That it it would be, um, it would be, it would, it would reveal that we are, if we hadn't brought that up, it would reveal that we're all too glued to our screens. It would be so out of sight and out of mind. So I'm very thankful that's the first offering. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what other kinds of reflections do you have about some, some disciplines, some practices, some um, habits that stir up the affections for God? So in the, in the 40 ways to spend five minutes with God, the one that jumps out to me the most always is number seven, mm. where it talks about spending time discovering the desires that can lead you away from God's love. Um, I have a lot of desires. Mm. I often need to spend time asking God where my heart is divided, even among the things he's called me to do and to be, where my heart is divided in filling according to his will, wife, mother, ministry leader, daughter, friend, student, and where those things end up consuming my heart with such a passion and with such an excitement to where it outshadows. So when I take a moment and consider what it means to have 
an undivided heart. Sometimes I can't even imagine that. In the introduction to, to this summer retreat um, from his Weight of Glory sermon, that often we do want too little. We don't even know how to want the more that God wants for us. Um, Psalm 37 is always a special psalm to me, especially verse four, where it says to take delight in the Lord. And that's where I find that these things for me, because it finishes the verse saying, and he will give you the desires. And when I take five minutes to get away, to ask God where my heart has been divided and to ask God to do what only he can do in undividing my heart. I start to delight in him and he becomes the desire of my heart in a new way. I hear, I hear what you're saying is it's like looking in a mirror and you start to see those desires and you realize, oh, those Oh, they're not that awful, but those are just getting in the way of the things I really want. And um, and we move at such a quick speed that we need to pause and look in the mirror in order to catch that glimpse of glory and say, whoa, that's mm-hmm. my desire. And you feel delight in a completely different way. So if we were going to think of this in terms of the language of self-care. So it's not so much, now Jen, you've got to let go of that wagging finger, making you feel guilty. It's, hey Jen, let's take care of yourself a little better. Let's eat better food. Let's think more healthy thoughts. Let's love loves that will actually bring nutrients and sustenance and transform you. And so it's not so much wrong, 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 shame, shame, shame. It's let's just lean into our design and take care of ourselves and get healthy. And so it's an invitation. It's a delightful thing rather than a heavy. Mm. So, mm. Thank you. That practice uh, um, calls me to think of uh, Ignatius' prayer examine, um, and, and so I think for another opportunity for a you know a challenge or um, a, a stone to step out on, or however you'd like to look at it for the summer, for some folks might be stepping into that prayer and um, and sorting through your day and, and making those lists and being able to. Um, to examine things uh, more formally from that, that um, sentiment to be able to mm-hmm. step into that. Mm-hmm. And one thing I like about that Ignatian prayer is that there's a chance to pay attention to your mind throughout the day. There's a chance to pay attention mm-hmm. to your affections throughout the day too. So to be able to kind of just spend time reflecting on your affections for a week or two and seeing the current of your affections, mm-hmm. I think is a good way that Ignatius helps in that. I think you're right. And part of the beauty in that and number seven in the, in the prayer guide goes to that also is we talked earlier about the word deserve. 
and about the things that sometimes we we feel we deserve in good ways. The beauty of it, though, is that we are never given what we deserve. <laughs> That's grace. Amen, amen. And when we think about a prayer of examine and we step away, and when we think about it, an undivided heart that we are powerless mm. to to find and to achieve, we just have to say, thanks be to God, because we are not given <laughs> what we deserve. A lot of play in that word. Powerful word. Yeah, my heart needs a ton of leading. And I relate to David a lot because when I read the Psalms, I think that his heart needed a ton of leading as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously he was able to, he was able to express his passion to God mm-hmm. in front of people and through song and stuff. But then um, it also kind of messed with him at times mm-hmm. being the feeler that he was. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of get a window into his, just how wrecked he got at times. So 103 verse 1 in the Psalms has been instructive for me. I think a lot when it comes to corporate worship, just Sunday morning with my family, uh, let's worship the Lord. I'm tired. I'm not feeling it. And I'm a worship pastor, so Mm -hmm. I'm up front and, and there are times, you know, horrible week, really not feeling like I'm in a good place to lead people right now. All right. I need to decide to lead my heart. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. And I just imagine David opening up his chest, talking to his heart, saying those words, mm-hmm. closing his chest, mm-hmm. and making the decision to move forward mm-hmm. and to bless God because of his worth mm-hmm. and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So I think Psalm 103.1 is important foundation for leading our heart. I would like to piggyback off of that because... I use the Psalms as a strength person because my heart needs leading into them. Mm-hmm. And so I will often use them um, in going through hard times as a guide to lament or a guide to cry out to God or a guide to feel things. A lot of times I just feel like, I don't know how to pray this on my own. I don't know mm-hmm. how to get this out or I don't know how to get it into words. And I just, I mean, I feel like David did it so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, he... He needed it for different reasons. Person, hurt person. Um, and the the thing that stuck out to me out of the to love your God with all your heart uh, was the listing in a journal several things that you've loved throughout the day. What has your heart been turning to? And that's actually been a practice that I have pulled out of myself in the last several months um, when nothing felt lovely. Like it was just like I, I, at first glance, I would look at my day and say, there was nothing lovely here. And the Lord kind of has trained me in that practice of no, look again, look again, let me show you, look, look with my eyes and I'll show you the lovely. And that has been such a good practice for my heart because I, I naturally will not pull there on my own. And so that's been good. Mm-hmm. So Daniel, you have emotions that you sometimes don't know what to do with that could wreck your worship leading. And so there is this submission to the worship to be formed in that. And there is a lot of the Psalter where the psalmist is speaking to this, his soul saying, let's do this now. Right. Let's go. Right. And, and that's where we can think about the will as part of our heart. 
And the will is also described as part of the soul as well. The will is tied into the mind. It's, it's, it's in there in the center of, all right, I, I acknowledge what's, I'm, I'm self-aware enough of all these emotions, but I am now surrendering. It's not that I can, because Dallas Willard warns us against what he calls will worship. It's not that I'm faking or forcing this. I really love that language of surrendering to this passage. I will bless the Lord, my soul. Mm -hmm. Just let's do this. So for you as a heart person, it's a matter of getting the right affections formed for the Lordship of Christ. Right. So then, Stacy, then the sense of if you're a doer, it's, it's a way for you then to just get in touch with the affections, the emotions, the desires that you might not otherwise pay attention to. For So for you, this is a stretching of the two goals here. Know, the, know yourself and then stretch beyond yourself. So in this way, that kind of awareness, is that a hard thing for you to do, to sit down then? Do you, do you bristle against, like, I don't, I don't want to stop to think about my emotions? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the last year, if it's taught me anything, it's taught me that I struggle with the heart pieces, Mm -hmm. um, being in the throes of it really Mm -hmm. of emotion and Mm -hmm. of hurt and of pain and, and feeling like you said, like I would look at an emotion wheel and go, "Uh, okay, until you're bawling. And then you're like, well, Mm -hmm. shoot, miss something, (laughs) you know? And so being in the throes of that and just feeling like overcome by it at at times, Mm -hmm. I feel like the Lord this is why this matters. Mm -hmm. This is why this is important. You need to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think my thought is often, you know, the saying is that emotions are a better servant than a master. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that I often feel mastered by them Mm -hmm. in the 5% that I experience them. So I avoid them the other 95%. And so, yeah. Own into them for that 5% and I just feel mastered by them. Mm-hmm. I withdraw as quickly as possible. Uh, and so the Lord is teaching me, steward these well yeah. and you won't mm. be mastered by them. They're yeah. a servant then. And they can, yeah. they can absolutely serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's excellent. That's very helpful because the further I work with people on direction, the more I'm convinced that we are scared of ourselves. We're scared of God. And we're scared of each other. And so a a big part of this speaking to the soul is peace to my soul, love to my soul, trust to my soul. And then contemplation, this deep end of the pool, as we, as Chuck and I talked about it, it, just beginning to try to be present is not avoiding because you're afraid. It's trying. It's, it's knowing, oh, I'm scared of that, and I'm scared of that, and I'm scared of that. But I'm going to trust that I am being well cared for. Speaking of self-care, <laughs> as you were saying, your own testimony of God caring for you, he will take care of me if I step in. It's not that we have to rush into the scariest things and force. It's just to crack the door open, and that's a kind of prayer. Lord Jesus, will you meet me in my fears? Mm. I'm afraid of my emotions because mm. I'll get stuck in them. Mm. 
but what what can we then imagine Stacy as an integrated self? And it might take years and years and years of you. You used the word first. I don't like this word, balance, <laughs> because it really does bring that idealism in, and I just feel like I fall short of that. So I'm like, oh, balance. Oh, geez, I just want to try to get out of bed today. <laughs> <laughs> So I really want to be weak here in this. This is honest. Um, these are hard things, and people are feeling this. So, so, uh, but yeah, you could be integrated. The, your wholeness and your holiness is somehow through your feelings. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that one of the things that the Lord has shown me in this process is that emotions feel unsafe to me, but He is safe. And so when he leads me to them, it's safe. Good word. Yeah. And so it's funny. One of the pictures that he actually gave me regarding this was of a garden. And he showed, um, I'm going to try really hard to get through this without crying. Okay. He showed, he showed me a picture of him and I sitting in a garden. And it was beautiful. And there was tons of flowers. And it was well, it was a mature garden. And then there was just one strip of tilled soil with, nothing blooming. And he reached out his hand and he kind of handed me some seeds. And in the seeds, I felt like there were things that he was tending to. These are the things I'm planting in you right now. I'm I'm teaching you these things they are being planted. And then we just sat Mm. and I had to trust him in the process that this is safe and this because you handed them to me. Mm. And then in that, as we sat there and waited for these things to grow, he would open the door like it was like a gated garden and he would open the door and let people back in Mm. and it felt very safe and it Mm. felt very, Mm. you know, like, Oh, I can trust this now because I'm, I'm here and we're growing stuff and we're being, you know, Mm. it was just this beautiful picture of like how safe he is and how Mm. safe the things that he brings us are because he brings them to us, not because they are safe in and of themselves, but because he lets them in. And when we trust him in that, it is, it can be a safe process. Thank you. I think that's a good place for us to stop. We are gardens that he is tending. I want to thank you guys for sitting here with me and engaging in this sacred conversation. And I hope we can do this again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Teresa of Avila in the 16th century writes in her book, The Interior Castle. If we muse on this deeply, friends, we will see that the soul of a righteous person is none other than a garden in which the beloved takes great delight. 
What do you think a place might be like that such a king, so powerful and wise, so pure and filled with all good things, would find it so delightful? I myself can come up with nothing as magnificent as the beauty and amplitude of a soul. Our intellects, no matter how sharp, can grasp no more than this than they can comprehend God. It is said, though, that He created us in His own image. And if this is true, which it is, there is no point wearing ourselves out trying to fathom the great beauty of this castle with our mere minds. The point here is not that our minds are bad, it's just that our calculating intellects are not enough. There is more that the Spirit can do inside of us if we open the loving center of our being to Him. The prayer of examination taught to us from Ignatius of Loyola is a great tool for identifying where our heart is. And Jen had pointed our attention to number seven of the prayer guide, 40 Ways to Spend Five Minutes with God. And in that step number seven, I am directing your attention to the prayer of examine in an approachable way. So if that seems like something you are drawn to this month, you might continue to identify in yourself, what is my heart? Where is my heart? And how can I turn to my feelings and love God through my emotions? How are you avoiding your feelings? And what is the difference between your feelings and your calculating mind? In a few weeks, we will then continue with prayers of the mind with another group of my ministry friends in a discussion like this episode. I'll also post some notes on the prayer of examination in the download page on the website where you can also find the 10 suggested ideas for praying with the heart. That's in the prayer guide, 40 Ways to Spend 5 Minutes with God. That is a helpful and a practical way for you to continue on this summer retreat. And after spending time with this conversation, I'd be excited to hear from you in an email. Or even better, it would be incredibly fun to hear from those of you who are listening from abroad If you have the means to record a note into your phone or a computer and then to upload that file to me, I'm open to the idea of either including your contribution to one of the next few episodes of the summer retreat, or I'm considering putting together a follow-up episode at the end of our summer. So write me an email. That's josh at invitationpodcast.org, and I will send you some more specific instructions on how to do that. And please do continue to pray for the Invitation Podcast as it goes public in a new way as a 501c3. As we pray about the podcast and the prayer exercises in the prison, we are going to ask you to become financial contributors. But before we do that, the summer retreat is a way for you to go deep into the substance of what the invitation is here to offer the church. I've come to believe that the church needs the prisoners more than they need us. We need to come to terms 
in the church with the idea that Jesus favors the poor and the powerless. He desires to work through our weaknesses. And in fact, he can only work regularly and abundantly through our weakness when we surrender to him. And the prisoners that I have befriended have a special and a unique way of teaching us more about Jesus and transformation. So please pray for the invitation and begin to discern how you can join us in this mission to create time and space for God. If you have not subscribed to the Invitation Podcast, please find us at invitationpodcast.org and you can find a button on there that will lead you to a subscription that will allow you to keep regular contact with us. Please come back and spend some time with this retreat in a few weeks as we pray with and through the mind. Until next time, amen. Amen.